Hi everybody, welcome back. This is Brianna with the Beat 13 podcast and thank you for tuning in. Today we're going to, or today I am going to be discussing something very near and dear to me and that is my relationship. My very intimate and and very very personal relationship. The one that I have with my partner Devin. So for those of you that know me, you already know how much I love Devin or you know about me and Devin in some way. For those of you that don't know me, I want to I've always wanted to do this. And uh and I and I feel like voicing it is the best way, way better than me having to write this out. It's so much more fluid. So with that, I will begin. And so I'll begin with my story because that is the beginning of me. So I just want to say that um, going forward and me sharing the story is... Um, I'm going to be really vulnerable and I'm going to expose just, I'm going to just, I'm going to trust in this process that exactly in the way that I feel inside and how I view my own story is how it's going to come out and that I'm going to do the best job that I can to give this story as unbiased as possible, but still giving it um, in the most truest manner that is to me. Uh, when I was a little girl, I was raised by my grandmother and TJ and my mother, and um, my mom was working, and she didn't really have her partner, my biological dad at the time, to, like, fully support her, and um, both were coming in with their, each with their own things, and they were not able to make it work, and so then... I am there and I'm living at my grandmother's house after my parents split when they tried making it work. And then I was raised with my grandmother and my mom for a while, for a couple years, and then my mom remarried, met a wonderful man, new wonderful man, family man. And he he married my mom and he took me along. Very, He's always been, he is the father that raised me. He is my dad that raised me. Um, and, and then that was me. Um, so then it was me and my mom with my stepdad and my, my new sister, my new brother. And then, um, and then also like during that time, uh, my father had gone to prison and, and it's all good. It's just, uh, like family history, family history. There's not enough context, honestly. Like there's, uh, ev- those fathers had fathers and those mothers had mothers and they had things and they did the best that they could with what they had and whatnot. Mm, so then I am there. And then later, as I start getting older, through my best friend at the time, um, I met, uh, Devin who I met, I think I was in mid, I was in middle school, and I met this boy, and I saw him, and I did, and that was it, I, that's just the beginning of when that seed was first planted of this being, there, there was awareness of this being's existence in my brain when I was young, around middle school, because I um, saw him for the first time, and then nothing much out of that, he, we were mutual friends, 
Uh, I'm pretty sure that Devin just liked me and then and I didn't really I wasn't very interested like not so didn't care so much and then at one point something started switching and I started liking him and I don't know I don't even know how it happened but he wasn't very nice to me in the beginning but I, I like it turned into me having a developing a crush and liking him and so I really liked him and then it started growing as like a childish a beginning of high school at this point like beginning romance you know as people experience sometimes and and then and then I don't know what happened uh I don't remember so much the details but but that love it was it was just a seed I don't know if either of us Either I don't know if either of us planted this consciously or or if it I don't know. I don't I did I certainly did not know what I was walking into is what I'm saying. I did not know what was happening in front of me, but there was a love that was starting to grow from me loving uh Devin. It was at first like a like first it was a meeting, neutral. Then it was a dislike then it was a learning to or not learning then it was just a really natural like that dislike started to switch and the scale started going up and i started liking him interest then after the interest like more interest grew and accumulated and then it turned into like romance and at this point i'm 14 and i think we were starting to have like a little bit of a romance but it was small and at this point he was like he would make me feel like I was not very important, actually, now that I'm thinking back. He would make me feel like I wasn't a priority. I remember, um, like, we were clearly a thing, and him asking his ex-girlfriend to go to the prom, and I, it, like, instead of me. And I remember me feeling like, what the fuck, bitch, at, not to the ex-girlfriend, make that really clear. More to, like, Devin, because I was like, what the fuck, like, we're obviously, like, do I really have to talk, like, do I really have to make this clear that me and you are, like, romantically interested in each other, that you wouldn't think of inviting me to this prom thing? Which, like, the prom is not really significant. It was more the idea of, like, hey, uh, obviously you're interested in me, so why don't you act like it? <laughs> Pretty funny how this is going to mirror back for me. So then that happened, and then, and then it, whatever, that was just a small moment. Uh, that is something significant for me, but a small moment of, like, the, the lifelong uh, relationship. So then... The relationship it kept growing. It start, It got as t with time. It gets more complicated. It gets deeper. Um, it leaves the shallow waters. You start experiencing more things. Also, just the natural biology of the first two years. You know everything. Your youth and the first two years. You're just like peaking. Everything was so rosy. I remember there was a point when everything was so rosy. Everything was so rosy. I was so happy. I didn't give a shit about anything that was fucking happening in my li in my home life because everything was so rosy with me and this guy. Me and this guy were good and this guy like at this point in time I was still in high school but 
this guy loved me. Oh, it was when he graduated. It was around this time when it was really sweet. He had graduated high school, so I was still in high school. I was either, like, I don't know, I was either a junior, a senior, a sophomore. I don't remember. I just remember being in Goo Goo Gaga land, super happy, nothing that, I don't even remember, like, really, I think there were bad things happening, or, like, trauma, you know, just dysfunction happening in my home life, but it didn't even matter, because, I want to cry right now, (laughs) but it didn't even matter, because I was using that crutch of, like, everything in my romantic life was peachy, so, so it was a really big shield, Uh, for what was really going on in my uh, home life, which which was dysfunction, which was dysfunction, and I'm not, the home life is the, my brother, my little, my little brother, my little sister, and my mom, and my stepdad, and, and I'm not putting, this is, this podcast is not for blame, I have a canker sore, and Odea Judith, oh, I'm sorry, no, Louise Hay says that canker sores are, I forget what the other part was, but the part that resonated with me was blame, and this is not to blame anybody, Uh, if anything, I am affirming Um, I have the power to create the life that I want. So I'm not blaming my parents for what was going on in my family life. And I'm not blaming their parents, you know, it was just, it was just uh, like venom, you know, it's like venom or like a disease. Like it's not, it's not the person's fault. You don't get mad at the person for getting cancer. Like you get mad at the cancer. Fuck the disease. Like how do we get rid of that? What are the things that cause the disease? You know, like what were you eating? What? How were you feeling? Uh, What is your genetics? There's a lot of factors, right? So, so again, a big point as to not blaming my my parents or my family life or their parents or anybody. Um, It is just. It is what it is. There was probably. I blurred out a couple things, but from what I do remember, it was dysfunctional. And so, getting back to this story of love, which all of this encompasses, during that time, everything was peachy with me and Devin. Nothing at home mattered because everything was peachy with me and Devin. And then I had my first taste of, I forget exactly what the reason was, but I got my first taste of Devin breaking up with me. And, um... Let me try to dig. I forget exactly the reason. It was... I want to say there wasn't really a fucking reason. Like, it was more so... like Or, like, maybe there was a reason, you know? Absolutely there was a reason. But but I what I'm saying is I don't remember, like, a huge justification as to, like... As to, like, oh, like, you... I don't like the way you physically look. Or, like, we don't mesh well. We don't have fun anymore. Or whatever, you know? Like, I'm saying... Like, it was more so, like, a, oh, I just don't want to be with you. Is what I remember the feeling was. And I remember I was like, what the fuck? Like, there, what do you mean? Like, tripping out. Because I'm like, what do you mean? Like, there, we have fun. Like, we uh, have fun together. We smoke weed together. We, like, uh, escape. You know, I'm using, I'm saying smoking weed as an escape mechanism. But we did that together. We experience new things together. We do yoga together. We have sex and we have fun together. Uh, we are young together. We have a lot of the same interests. Like, what the fuck do you mean? You know, it was me. But uh, but he was like, no, like, I'm breaking up with you. And then and then I I think it, the first time was at his house, I believe. And I was in his bed and I was crying. I just remember putting my, like, hands in my, 
my face in my hands and like walking out his house and walking to my house and maybe the walk in between our houses they're like blocks away but not too far so maybe the walk is like I'm gonna say like a 30 35 minute walk like a solid 30 minute walk of like consistently walking like a good solid happy 30 minute walk from my door to his door at the time so I remember walking outside of that house after he broke up with me and side note uh, later on uh, I found out that uh, our neighbors of Devin's house, um, I remember her later telling me that she either confessed in Devin, I think she confessed in Devin, and then Devin told me that she had seen me walk out of his house just crying, and, and I think she said something to him like, oh, I, I just, what happened, Devin? I just saw like this beautiful girl walking outside of your house just crying. And yes, that is exactly what happened. I, I am a beautiful woman now. But I was a beautiful girl just crying and walking to my house. And I don't remember the thoughts I thought, but I remember having to go back home and and feeling really sad because because now I didn't have that that crutch anymore. Now I didn't have that crutch of feeling really happy and, and in love and really goo goo gaga. <laughs> So then, so then I went back home and, and, but luckily I am me, oh, thank God, and, and I took over, so, so it's not like I'm going to, like, I will feel the sadness that I really feel, but I'm not going to want to stay down in the sadness, so, so at that point, it was my first run around, I was like, oh, okay, whatever, maybe I even bounced back pretty fucking fast at that point. But I was like, okay, like, you're breaking up with me. Like, we're not going to be together. All right. Like, I'm going to... What did I do? Oh, yeah. Oh, you know what? (laughs) At that point, we, like... Oh, let me see. There was a point when he had broken up with me, um, and we had not had sex yet. So maybe this was um, the first time that we didn't have sex yet, and he broke up with me. So then I went back to just my usual of, like... My usual at that time was, like, getting high with my friends that were, like, stoners like me, but also, like, doing yoga every fucking day, sometimes twice a day. (sighs) That was my home, away from home at that time. Fucking, like, you know, being a kid, fucking going around, walking with my girlfriends, like, talking, talking about boys, talking about relationships, going out, sneaking out, wearing, like, cool clothes, going to parties, trying to have fun, trying to play games with our friends, trying to make memories, doing, like, some stupid little girl competition, at least that was true for me, which is stupid, but, you know, that was all part of, and, or at least it was for me in the growing up, and with that, so, so going back to Devin, so I went back to that. So I went back to just being me, like the hanging out with my friends and and whatever. So then I went back to my yoga, which is really like my big default at the time. And and I kept doing yoga. And I think I think I had I'm pretty sure I actually know that I introduced. I'm going to shout out Chula Vista Yoga Center on in Chula Vista. <laughs> I'm going to shout them out because I love them and they're home and they're a seed in my heart. Even though I have not been there for a long time, it is for my own reasons, but thank you for everything you have done for me. Back to it. So at the time I had shown Devin yoga, I I am sure of it. I know it. And it's, I, I am justifying it or arguing it because sometimes he will tell me that 
I didn't, but we both know, Devin, that I showed you yoga. And it's okay. You took it way farther than me. I mean, you were a way better teacher than me. You know, this is no competition. I'm just saying, whatever. I don't even need the fucking credit. So at the, so the point is that at the time when he broke up with me, we were both using this space, this yoga center. So he would go to the yoga center and I would see him there. So it was like we were not together, but I would see him. So that was like a factor, like the proximity plays, you know, because even if I'm interested in other people, like to some degree, or you, even if he is or whatever, the proximity like um, was something that played. And so we still had that connection. And uh, I experienced, I remember experiencing um, my first experience. It was beautiful. It felt so good of us getting back together. It was at the yoga center. We went to the yoga center and it was one of the times that he had broken up with me and we... I don't know if it was the one that I had just said or another time, but we went back to the yoga center, or at least this is the one significant time that I remember getting back and it felt so good. Um, getting back and him just like us, like coming, stepping into the yoga center as not being together, like us, both of us looking at each other and like understanding that we were not together, not in agreement that we were not together in a relationship. And then him seeking me out and saying, no, 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 like I want this again. And then me agreeing and me me being so happy about it, so happy to jump back in, so, so, so happy to jump back in. My body just dove into those waters very, very fast and it was instantaneous. It wasn't even a fucking second of like bounce back time. It was just, ah, let me embrace you again and you embrace me again and I am back. And so that happened a couple times I there was he broke up with me Devin I'm sorry that it happened so many times and that I allowed it Brianna I'm sorry that I allowed it so many times but the story goes on uh I we broke up he broke up with me full transparency he broke up with me so many fucking times I have never broken up with Devin in fact still we will get to that but so he broke up with me multiple times outside of the yoga center probably like I don't need, fuck, just plenty, more than one time. At this point, it was more than one time. And then we would get back, and then um, he would maybe try to pursue other women as a man should, you know, a single man should, or I don't know, shouldn't, or whatever, but he would try to maybe get with other people and maybe didn't have any luck or whatever, um, wasn't able to, doesn't fucking matter, like, did not. I did not also uh, make a connection with somebody else significantly uh, during any of the times that we would break up because I like I I could if I wanted to and that sounds cocky and stupid or coming from ego but I just mean I what I'm saying with that is I purposely I was intentionally not choosing to connect with other people intimately because I always reserved a space in my heart for Devin it's still there and back then even before there was so much complexity and involvement with each other I had always had a space reserved for Devin even when we were not together even when we would break up I remember one of the times we were broken up before children uh, and before I moved to Hawaii I we were at a rush we had broken up it was very recent and I was so devastated I was so sad I remember it hurt so bad and we were I was with my friends at a restaurant I think Peace Pies it is the place, another shout out. 
But I remember our mutual friend Moose, who we both call Moose, saw me at this restaurant, uh, freshly broken up. I don't even think he remembers. I don't know if you remember Moose. But I remember you looked at me and I was fucking crying. And I was really sad. And you knew why. Because it was because Devin had just broken up with me and you knew. And you just saw me and you knew that I was really sad about that. And I remember feeling a little bit of shame. I remember feeling a little bit of shame in in having him see me so uh, broken up over this boy who broke up with me. And it is something that I'm sharing with you, Moose, and everybody else who's listening. So then more times of me and Devin breaking up, but but also those are the times that we're breaking up. I'm not, um, I'm highlighting those parts, but fuck, during the, the times that we were together and we were not broken up or we were getting back together, we were so, so beautiful. So, even back then, um, so much fucking fun. I am not even, no, not even one ounce regretful of anything because I fuck lived such a beautiful romantic upbringing youthful story with you Devin so beautiful I was 14 you were 16 I think you're two years older than me yes I'm born 94 you are born 92 so I was 14 you're 16 and like throughout that whole time of us growing up it was just so much fun so much fun so many memories, fucking parks, being broke and doing stuff, going on the bus, going to new places, exploring, trying out new shit, having sex in new places, fucking going camping, hanging out with our friends, going partying, promising each other things, exploring intimacy with each other, but only with each other. I found that to be really nice. Like having something special, but so young and so, so what feels like secure at the time is so fun to experience. And I'm so happy about it. With all those bad times and all those bad breakups were all those good times and all those good times totally, absolutely outweigh all the bad shit because they, I feel them in my heart. I may not remember the exact memories, but the, when I talk about this time, it invokes such a, it, it makes my heart, uh, I can feel it so much. I can feel it. It is memories in my body that I'm so grateful for. And so I digress. We're getting older. Our relationship gets more complicated because we start moving from like 14 and 16 to 15 and 17 and 16 and 19 and or whatever you know what I'm saying every two years now I'm like I'm not 14 anymore I am now 16 then I'm 17 then I'm 19 18 19 then I'm a 20 year old then I'm 21 you know we start getting older um but what happened between me and Devin is in my senior year so when I'm around 18 so all of everything that I've shared has happened before me being 18 so before 17 17 and under all of this it has happened uh, while I am 17 and under, and Devin is 19 and under. And then when I, around 17 and something, my parents, my stepdad is in the military, he asked me to, or he has to relocate to Hawaii 
So my family tells me, like, you can stay with your biological dad. I'm pretty sure they gave me the option. Or you can come with us to Hawaii. And I was 17 at the time, and obviously I was going to go with my mom. And it was Hawaii, fuck, like, me, the type of person that I am. Fuck, yeah, I was going to go to Hawaii, you know? So I remember at that point, me going to Devin and telling him the news. We were in his room. And me telling him I was going to move to Hawaii. And I remember him crying about it. Us crying about it. We were both sad. We were both sad. I remember we were sitting down, cross-legged, looking at each other. And we were both just sad about it. So then I moved to Hawaii. And I'm I'm, I'm there with my family. And it is a shitstorm fucking again. Because I have nobody except my family. And it is so fucking so fucking dysfunctional it is so fucking dysfunctional we live in a at this point we're living in the hotel but because when it's the transition you know you don't have a house yet with the military and like it's my first time relocating with the military at this point because we met my stepdad but he was stationed in san diego and that was him relocating but we hadn't relocated yet so this was me and my mom's first time and my sister i don't i think my brother too at the yes my brother at the time too uh, we're relocating, and so we were in hotels. We were in hotels. We were staying in hotels, and and I didn't have somebody close to me anymore. To to I didn't have somebody close to me anymore to take away that to numb away the what was going on at home, and and or in my family life, and what was going on in my family life while I was in Hawaii was so traumatic because because my parents were just not they didn't know how to communicate with each other and and they were in a really shitty dysfunctional toxic limbo where they were like are we gonna be together or not i hate you i don't fuck you and and at this point um i had had sex with devin so i'm like 17 and and I remember it was fucking shitty. I remember I was like trying to tan a lot and I started running a lot, like exercising a lot. And I remember being really beautiful because I was exercising a lot physically. I was exercising a lot and my skin was looking really nice because I was running, I was doing cardio, I was bicycling and I was still with Devin. And then um, I would talk to them occasionally. But at this point, Devin is doing a... Devin also goes to Hawaii. His grandmother gifted him, I believe. Uh, she was uh, she had, she was diagnosed with cancer. I love you, Jima. Um, she was diagnosed with cancer. And I believe she had given... Gifted Devin, like, a gift. Uh, she wanted to give Devin a, a profound gift and... He wanted to do a yoga teacher training because yoga was so big in our life. It still is. But she wanted to gift him something and that's something that she wanted to gift. So she wanted, so she, Devin and her, I forget how they agreed on it, but the agreement was that um, Devin would go to yoga works and do a yoga teacher training in the Big Island. And I happened to be in Oahu, so so he went. And this I was still in a hotel living with my family, so it was the very beginning of like us moving to Hawaii. Um, and he's doing his yoga teacher training, and I'm living in the hotel, and shit's going down with my family, but I'm happy because I'm like getting my doses of talking to Devin and like 
sharing those I love yous and I miss yous and shit, you know? So then, so then he finished his yoga retreat and he needed to, and he was going to go back to San Diego. And so he had a stop in Oahu. And I remember I really wanted to see him. So, so I, it, it was during my school hours, but I remember me asking my mom if I could miss school so that I can, you can hear me crying because I'm so thankful that my mommy was so loving to me and she knew that I really cared for this boy. So I had asked my mom if she could, I asked my mom if she could let me miss school in my new school in in Oahu in Hawaii uh, so that I can go see Devin during um, when his flight like landed until he had to go to the next flight. And so she agreed, and I remember we were living in the hotel, and I remember waking up really fucking early that day, like really early, when I was so excited that Devin was going to be there. Later that day, I woke up like when it was fucking dark, like it must have been like four in the morning, or I don't know, it must have been like four in the morning, and I was staying in the hotels in front of Waikiki, and I got up, and I snuck out of my hotel room I don't even know if my parents noticed but I snuck out of the hotel room and I went to the beach and I dunked my fucking head just my head in the water in the salty waters of Oahu so that my hair would look like beach hair so that would look beautiful so I was prepping I was putting on my type of makeup for Devin which is using nature uh me so me but was but that was my makeup so I went to the ocean at fucking four in the morning and I dunked my fucking head in that cold ass water while it was dark so that my hair would be all fucking beautiful and beachy and then and then I and then I went back home and then I just like probably hid the fact that my hair was wet or my parents thought I took a shower or something and then I went to, and then I, I don't remember if my dad went to work before I was supposed to go to school, but my mom drove me to the airport. My mom drove me to the airport and she dropped me off. I'm pretty sure. Maybe I had a phone. I don't remember. I must have. But she dropped me off and then I waited there for Devin and then boom, I saw him and I was so fucking happy. I was so happy and I was there with him and he was like, he had this feeling about him though. It wasn't. It wasn't the friendly Devin that I was used to. It was this other feeling. But I was like, but whatever. I was still fucking like a dog with a bone and happy and my tail was wagging. So Devin was there and he greeted me and I greeted him and we were together and we were embracing. I even want to say that I was prepared to have sex with him. I remember being like, all right, where are we going to have sex? Like in the bathroom? I don't know. Or something like that. But so then long story short, in that uh, episode, he broke up with me. He was like, I remember him like either sitting me down or something, but him looking in my eyes and being again and being like, Hey, look, like I'm going to go back. You're in Hawaii. Like, let's be realistic. This shit ain't going to work out. Something like that. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, fuck you. Cause I had just gotten, you know, like I had just put on makeup, nature makeup. And so this guy's fucking breaking up with me after I begged my mom to let me, fucking miss school and whatever so I'm fucking pissed off 
now at this point he's just all like okay like mm -hmm, like i'm gonna go back his mentality i am feeling i'm intuitively i don't know if it was but is like all right sick like this is taken care of and i can go back home and like spread my seed or be a man and like explore as one should as one should and can or whatever can the point is that i was just like what the fuck fuck you and i was hurt again and and my mom picked me up and, and then that boom, that was it. And then I just dove hard into me living in Hawaii and I was just doing my dysfunctional family thing, like dance that none of us knew we were in. And and I was just with my friend and I made my new group of stoner friends and I had my fucking best friend over there, Akila, love you. We would just smoke weed and be in fucking Hawaii and like living it up, living, living the life. I was working in Jamba Juice. I gained a bunch of weight. <laughs> I gained a bunch of weight. You know why, guys? Because I was fucking drinking all the Jamba Juice leftover smoothies from every fucking smoothie possible that I made. Every single one that I had left over, I would... Like, it, it wasn't like I was being dirty or anything. It was just what we were going to, like, start wash. I would, instead of, like, wash the little leftovers, I would put it, like, into a little cup and drink it into my cup of the day. And I would... So then whenever people would order razzmatazz and blueberry blah blah and banana mango and whatever I would get all the leftover like that little itty bitty that's left over in the blenders but all those little itty bitties add up because I add I gained a lot of weight but it was also emotional you know because I believe everything's interconnected so it was just a lot of things but I felt beautiful I, I do want to say I, I was living it up as much as I was I felt beautiful in Hawaii I was like glowing I remember feeling and emanating beauty I remember like having a slight uh, romantic interest in this guy, but I remember never acting on it. And I remember there was actually one point when I really wanted to, but I never did to let the boy act on it instead. Oh man, just kidding. There was another boy. Oh, the other boy I really liked. I'm not going to say your name, but I really liked this other boy because he the other one the first one was insignificant he was just somebody like he was just a guy that like you know just a guy I was just being a girl and he didn't go for anything and whatever boom fizzled out so there was another boy in Hawaii and I'm not gonna say his name but he knew oh okay so let me go back a little bit so I was glowing it up in Hawaii but then somehow some way not surprisingly Devin was able to trickle his way back into my life mm -hmm. In a way that was, in a way that was like, I don't even remember how. You know what? It was probably my thing of like always having a reserve for Devin. So it really never left. That shelf that I have for him never left. So because it never left, like Devin knew that he could reach back to me and that I would be there available and so after a while of non-reach of us not communicating and him reaching out and like putting out his fishnets to see like what he could snag you know of like potential mates or potential partners or intimate whatever just some fucking whatever maybe just to see who he could fuck it doesn't matter he reached back out to me maybe he tried with people that are listening people that are not listening it doesn't fucking matter but he tried and it didn't work out and then he went back to me and I was available because I always am while that was happening so we are physically apart we are not our proximity is not close I am in Hawaii and Devin is in San Diego 
and we are not close and we are we are not close uh, in proximity but but he is starting to trickle his way back into my heart and and the my life what's going on in my home life is shitty i'm reminding like it, it's there's dysfunction and there's trauma happening in my life so Devin is starting to trickle his way back maybe with emails at this point but he's starting to email me and he's like hey like I love you like don't forget about me in a sense is the essence of those like the what our exchange so at this point I'm going to high school over there it's my senior year and there's a boy over there that is I love him. I have a lot of love for him because he helped me out a lot because he had, I think he had a deep relationship with his girlfriend or with his ex or whoever. And, but we were both attracted to each other. So we were both like going through a hard time with our like partners. I, I, I feel that almost. We both knew that our hearts belonged to somebody else. Mine with Devin, his with his girl, who he would talk to me about sometimes, but he would be very flirtatious with me, and I would receive because because it was like a drug, you know? It was a small attention. It was small attention from this guy who was actually really cool and was a nice guy and was like a cool friend, was like a cool homie friend. Whatever. Thank you for serving what you did in my life, boy. And for being nice to me while Devin was being a jerk, because you would talk to me about Devin and you would be like, hey, fuck that guy, dude. At the time, I named Devin's contact in my phone under Cynthia because I was so mad at him. I like considered him a bitch, you know, stupid. So stupid of me. It's okay. So then it's because Devin would be wishy-washy with me. Really, I was being wishy-washy and wishy-washy was being wishy-washy with myself this guy from Hawaii would pick up on that and would be like, dude, fuck that guy, dude. He doesn't care about you. Like, I'm right here. Like, don't you see this is right in front of you? Like, let's go. Like, let's go do this right now. Let's go connect right now. And I remember being tempted and just, again, just nah. Or just no, just being, just, the answer was no because I didn't. But I appreciate the space that was held, the attention. I appreciate the attention. So then... I'm in Hawaii and he's like, there's trauma going on in my life, there's dysfunction, my house life is like shitty, it's just whatever, just gray cloud and then Devin starts trickling his way back in and eventually it starts growing again and he st- it starts snowballing again and he goes to the point where he's like, look, like I know it's shitty in your life or at least at your home, like come here, I'll save you. So I was like, yeah, save me baby boy, save me. So then I fucking took a huge dive. I turned 18. I graduated high school. And as soon as Devin, while Devin was in San Diego, uh, I believe he first asked his mom and dad if he can move me in to his house. Like, that's a pretty big, bold question. Hey, parents, can I move my, I'm 20 or whatever, can I move my 18-year-old girl in the house? I would say no. Now, with the person that I am. I don't know. I don't know what I would do. I would measure, but but uh, I believe that his parents at first said no, or maybe his mom first said no, and then she, sorry, I'm moving, um, and then she said yes. So as soon as she opened up that gate, the hound dogs were free, and, and so Devin was able to play that savior complex with me and say like, hey, come over here. I'll fly, let's fly over here, and you can come move in San Diego, come live with me in my house, and we got it really happy go Google Gaga, happy go lucky over here too. And 
It'll be perfect. It'll be peachy, rosy flowers. Come over here and I'll save you. And I was like, hell yeah, I need some fucking saving. I ain't gonna save myself. Let's fucking go. Do I even need saving? No, I'm just in love with you. That's what I was thinking at the time. So then I just went, made a big leap, hopped the hop, went on the plane. I remember being in the airplane, crying, leaving my family, holding onto my mini mouse doll. And I remember crying, crying, leaving my parents. And I remember being alone in the airplane and being like, what the fuck? You're just leaving your family and you're going to go with Devin? Like, this is crazy. Then I remember being picked up in the airport by Devin and his mom and his grandmother. And that was it. Then we were just together. And maybe it was awkward for a little bit just because it was like, oh, fuck, we weren't together for a while. And like now we're together again and we're just living together. But but we love each other. So like so then it was that. So then I started living with Devin and all my friends, anybody who's my friend and is listening, you have your own uh, perspective of this. So I'm just giving the insight, you know. Okay, so so then now I'm back. So now at this point, I'm 18 and Devin is 20 and we are living at his parents' house in Chula Vista. But we were fortunate that Devin, the house that they were living at, at the time, his family, they were renting a house with a like a like a shed almost, like a like a little room in the back where that was our room. So it was separate from the main house. It was me and Devin in that little house. And uh, the story of me and Devin in that little house was, you know, amazing at first, like fun, sex, smoking weed, uh, going out, whatever, like whatever, just growing up, living this really cool life of us living together like that. I thought was amazing. I had so much fun. I love it. Now that that looking back, you know, um, well, looking back at everything, but so so we were living there but dysfunction you know that head does not that like disease does not go away does it does not just go away by like not paying attention to it so it peaked its head and there were episodes of me and Devin in that home breaking up like I believe I packed my stuff one time um and I like packed my stuff in my truck but I didn't go anywhere I actually when that happened, I remembered when my mom, I would, I flashed back to my mom being in the car with me and the, and my brother, my sister being in the minivan with our stuff packed and her being outside of our house while I was in middle school. And maybe I had met Devin at this time or not, but this, uh, we were, she was like, the car was on and she just wasn't leaving. She just had her hands on the wheels and and she didn't leave and she just we all got off and we went back in the house and and me being 18 living in that little house with Devin and whatever the stupid argument was over we I had packed all my stuff and I to replayed that episode but with no kids at the time and I was just holding the steering wheel and I remember oh shit my mom was here too and then and then I went back in the house or whatever and then and then me and Devin just continued we continued, we continued on, we continued on with being on and off. Uh, I got pregnant at 23, and I had him at 24, 18 to 23, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, for five years. Me and Devin were like on and off, on and off, on and off, from that home to another home um, that we were, rent the, as a family, we were renting at that first place where me and Devin lived in the shack in the back. And then um, as a family, we all moved to a new house that the family bought. 
And after that time, while we were in this house, which is the house that I'm actually recording this podcast in right now, we're starting to get to current times. 18 through 23 is we went from renting to owning as a family. Um, I am not on the names of the house. I'm not on the deeds, but I am speaking symbolically. As a family, we were from we went from renting to owning. As a relationship, in between me and Devin, we went through many, many more breakups, and all of them were not instigated by Devin because I take 150 percent responsibility for all the bullshit that I make Devin go through. I'm sorry, baby. I'm sorry for all my shit. I apologize. I wish I could take back all the stuff, but that doesn't do anything. So just moving forward, I am always going to lead with my heart with you. And if I lose my way, trust that I will find my way back. I just probably need time or I need to reconnect with God, you know, or with myself, really. So in in between that span of 18 and 23, me and Devin are on and off. He breaks up with me a bunch of times because of all the dysfunction that we are both showing as patterns from our family's fucking dysfunctions brought down from their patterns. So we break up on and off, on and off, on and off. There are times when like I pack my stuff, but like he wants me out, so he kicks me out, but I pack my stuff and I leave. And there's other times when he just packs my stuff for me while I'm gone and he throws me out. Or, you know, it's not pretty. It's not pretty being real. It was really ugly and it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing to say that I didn't have the self-love to stop it a long time ago. It really is. It is more so like embarrassment within myself, but I'm here sucking out all the poison. So, so keep going. And to keep going, um, we were breaking up a lot. I was being broken up with a lot and I was being kicked out of that home a lot. The home that we live in now on and off, on and off, on and off. There were times when we would go, like we went on vacations and we would have a hard time on the vacation because like, cause we were just so in limbo. We were so, we are right now we have finally gotten out of limbo and I'm speaking to the truth that is coming from me linearly. I hope that makes sense. But at that time we were in a lot of limbo and so we were breaking up, breaking up, breaking up on and off, on and off. And it was traumatic and it was shitty in this new house where we're living at now, right now, currently it's uh, like 600 square feet, 700 square feet. Super. It's small, not big, not huge. Um, and it's two bedrooms, and we, me and Devin, share a common wall with his parents. So at the time, 18 through 23, we are sharing a, uh, after we, we've, once we moved into the house that the family bought, we are sharing a, a common wall with his parents, and we are living in the small house. Without getting into too much detail as to Devin's, like, specific patterns and my ideas of them and his family and how they play out in his family. Um, There is a lot of involvement from Devin's mom and dad, specifically his mom, in our relationship. I am not saying that I'm not blaming anybody. In fact, I, I am part of the dance. So if anything, I own responsibility in this. It just, it is just a lesson that 
I had to get thrown at me over and over and over and over again that doesn't matter for me. This is true for me, everybody, that it doesn't matter how cool your boyfriend or your uh, partners or your baby daddies or your husband's parents are. You, this is what I have come to find. This is the fruit of what has happened. I can skip a little bit now. Uh, okay, so then me and Devin through 18 through 23, breaking up on and off, on and off. I'm going to friends' houses. I'm going to my family's homes. Thank you to all my aunts, my uncles that housed me, my cousins that housed me, my sisters that housed me, um, my friends that housed me, everybody that would house me when I would get kicked out of Devin's house. Thank you so much. Everybody that would house me when me and Devin would break up and I didn't have somewhere to go because my parents were in Italy or in Hawaii, thank you. Thank you for giving me a fucking couch. Thank you for giving me the floor. Thank you for giving me whatever the fuck you gave me. Thank you for sharing your bed with me. You know who you are. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. Once I have a lot more money, which I will, I'm so excited to have more so that I, to receive more so that I can give more, especially to the people that were there for me when I needed you fucking thank you so much thank you humble humble thank you okay so back to it me and Devin breaking up on and off on and off again the truth of what I have come to find out everybody is that it doesn't matter how tight I am with Devin's mom it doesn't matter how much I love Devin's dad it doesn't matter how aware I am of my past patterns if I don't, if I keep acting in a way that allows for these patterns to live, I'm going to keep having to eat that fruit from that rotten tree then. It is rotten for me. I have too much trauma in this house. It's really hard. I think any ship can be turned around. I think almost anything can be cleansed with intention. I really do. And still, I am fighting so many. I'm being so vulnerable right now with my relationship. And I hope that this can help other women like me because I'm tired of crying at nighttime. I'm tired of going to sleep and giving my love for somebody that... I, no, this is what I'm tired of. I'm tired of, of depending on other people for the love that I really need to receive from myself. Seriously, it's like that simple. I went through therapy after our children, after our firstborn, we were not together, and then our secondborn, and we're still in limbo now. Look at us now. I am 27, and Devin is 30, and we still don't have our shit together, everybody. Everyone, family, friends, strangers, we still don't have our shit together right now. But I am faithful. I am so faithful in my heart. In my heart, I have all the faith in the world that we did get our shit together. Whether we make it as a romantic partner or not. As romantic partners, whether we make it in the end, I know we're going to get our shit together with each other. And I'm so happy about it. And, and before then, right now, in this time that I'm trying to get our shit together, it's a little tough, everybody. It is raw. It is... It is not understood by everyone, and that's why I made this fucking podcast, because I'm not going to be understood by everybody, and the people around me, the people closest to me, 
are I think sometimes have a hard time understanding me because I I run so different. I really run so different sometimes. So pretty much what I feel that I want right now to discuss ladies, I'm speaking more so to the ladies now, is I have this huge love for Devin. Um, it grew since I was 14, and we have a lot of trauma. We have plenty of reasons for me to say this is enough and for me to break it up, and still I am right here hopeful on my knees praying that we make it out together romantically and I mean it in a romantic way in a looking at each other's eyes gazing and we fulfill each other type of way in a super goo goo gaga type of way and and I want this everybody out there listening I want this I want this type of love that is fucking crazy that is unheard of I have not seen it yet I haven't seen it outside of myself I have not seen a couple, a real tangible couple, everybody, that has the love that I'm looking for. And I'm not delusional in the sense of I'm not being unrealistic. I know, I, I, I'm not saying it's going to be an easy love. I know that the love, in fact, that I'm looking for takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of work to get to the love that I'm wanting to find, that I have always had within me. This whole time, with me growing up and living my life from birth to 27, and now I have two kids, and me and my mans are living in my in-laws' house, and we're not doing very good in, in this episode's time, and and I'm hoping that we make it out, and and I'm still honoring myself enough to know that I can't be physically harmed, and, and I can really only take so much emotional burden, and and I can really only allow myself to to be part of so much emotional burden. Um, but still, I'm here, hopeful, hopeful, faithful, faithful. And this leads me to my next part of this podcast, because this whole time, this whole time that I have been trying to find in Devin this uh, escapism, to leave the dysfunction of my family behind, I really should have been, I wasn't shown the way, none of us were yet, but I, I wasn't shown the way to check in instead and to say, why do you want to run away so bad? Why do you want to run away so bad? And see if I can fix it. And if I can't fix it, seeing how I can be, how I can make the best of it, how I can make the best of it. What's the best mindset I can go about it? Solution, solution, solution. What I've come to find out is that I'm 27. I have no money to my name right now. Right now. I, I have all the prosperity and abundance in the world. And it's coming for me. And I'm going to move in a way that there is fucking physical, like, cash dollars, like, that I can pull out of an ATM, you know? That my bank account reflects, like, positives, not negatives. And that I really can go to the fucking health food store and buy whatever the fuck I want, you know? I'm going to get there. But until I get there, right now I have no money. Right now. And, and my family doesn't really understand me. Not the way that I move. They know that I'm different than them, I feel. But they don't understand and it's hard to understand really other people unless you're in them, you know? Anyways. 
and my friends, I have purposely, I feel like isolated because I just don't resonate as much with my friends anymore. I just feel like I want growth. I want mutual love. I want to address the things that are not being addressed. And above all, I want all the relationships that I, I want every relationship that I touch for the glass in between us to be clear, super clear, clear on my side and clear on your side so that I can really see you shine and you can really see me shine and we can really see each other and love each other for what we truly are. But if that glass in between us is dirty, then I cannot, then I cannot love you in the same way because I'm going to be, I'm not going to be getting a version of you that is not the real you. And you're going to be getting a version of me that is not the real me because there's glass between us and that is how we see each other. So even if there are people in my life that are always going to be people in my life, I make sure to, I try my best and I do, to keep the glass on my side clean as much as I can, as much as feels right and true to me. Whatever relationships I can have close to me, I want all of them to be filled with love. I saw a post the other day, I'm going to butcher it, but somebody posted it, like it was a woman saying something like, look, as a woman, like I'm fucking fed up with this world of having to like live my life in a way that I am not exuding, like I don't even know if that's a word, if I am not just overflowing with love every decision and every choice that I make whether and and don't get this confused with hard times no hard times that does not mean no hard times that does not mean no mud that does not mean happy-go-lucky all the time it just means that you lead with your love and your heart every step of the way and that is where I'm at right now everybody I'm at the point family friends lover where I want to lead with my heart every step of the way I want I don't want you to come home anymore, Devin, and me having to hold my love back for you. I love you so much, so deeply. I want you to get home and and I want to shower you with my affection. I want to show you with my body and with my words how much I've missed you. And how much when you're gone, me and the boys need you. And at nighttime, I want to fuck you, and I want to make love to you, and I want to make you children. I want to make children with you. That I want to discuss this love that I have for Devin because, because I'm being really vulnerable, and, and I think that it is um, necessary for me to be vulnerable because maybe somebody else can relate. So with this next chapter of this podcast... I want to talk about this love that I have for Devin because even through all the bullshit that we've gone through, even through all the crap, I'm still here present day and and I want to talk about this love that's holding me here present day, right now, this moment. There is this poem. There is this poem that I want to bring to bring to this podcast and the author is Hafiz. I first heard this poem through an Aubrey Marcus podcast and when I heard it very very recently it struck such a chord in me such an ancestral such an origination chord in my heart that it uh, stuck with me it's been like a it like embedded it was embedded in me 
and this poem by Hafiz is called The Sun Never Says. And I'm going to go ahead and read it to you if you're not familiar already. Even after all this time, the sun never says to the earth, you owe me. Look what happens with a love like that. It lights the whole sky. Such a beautiful poem. It is actually my favorite poem. That the way that I feel about my lover is, is that I have my physical body. I have my physical body here, the one that's kneeling down on the floor with a blanket over her shoulders and is talking into this mic, into this electronic device. And I'm here and I have children that I have to feed and, and I have bills that I'm going to have to pay to feed these children and, you know, very real things. And, and yet this love lives within me that is not my body. This love that lives within me, it just shows through my physical body. So, so the way that I love Devin, everybody, is, is that I have my physical body here with me. And, and it needs to eat. It needs to eat. It needs to poop. It needs to breathe. It needs to survive. And it needs a good home environment and a good, it needs to be talked to sweetly. It needs to be treated with love and kindness. It needs to be showered with real water and real sunshine, real sunshine to, to live, to live, just to live, just simply to live, not even to thrive, to live. And this body has gone through, as Devin's body too, has gone through a lot of turmoil, a lot of pain. A lot of pain, a lot of scars, unhealed wounds. It has gone through these bodies, mine and Devon's, have gone through a lot. From 14 through 27, that's 13 years, and two children later, it's uh, it's gone through a lot. Mine and his, I know his too. I know it. My heart knows it. I see it. Personally, it's gone through a lot, and I and I feel that my body is getting to a point, everybody, where I cannot continue to stay in this space uh, knowingly, I'm going to, I cannot, because, because I see what happens to women that stay in a space where they are not allowed to give their full love. They go hungry. They go hungry and then they die. I'm talking on personal cases that I know and people that I don't know and society what is like a societal almost like a standard and and so I know what happens with the women that are not allowed to give their love fully I know what happens with the women that are not allowed to express themselves in their most truest loving authentic way they die they die and they turn into an animal that is not even recognizable. They learn to survive. They have to learn to survive in their bodies and instead of letting that wild spirit shine through them, they get stuck in their bodies and they stay in situations that are causing them harm, that continue to cause more harm for the lineage and 
and it's hard. I'm not saying that it's easy. It is really hard to get out of here. I haven't had any luck yet, but I am doing all the things that I feel that I have to to get myself out. And it's hard. It's hard for me to want to leave. I don't want to leave, in fact. I brought up that poem by Hafiz because that is my love for Devin. My body lives here and has experienced the pain and the pleasure that has been humanly made possible by Devin and me and our relationship. But then there is something that is the sun and it shines for Devin and it will never stop. That is probably as vulnerable as I can get because it is embarrassing for me to admit to everybody that this man who has not honored me in the way that I need to be honored has my most truest love that is not even my decision. It is not even my decision, everyone. It is something that lives beyond me. The thing behind me, the source behind me, the sun behind me that that shines for Devin, it does not shine like that for other people. I don't know if I have more than one sun. But that sun is so bright and it is it does not need anything in return from you, Devin. It just wants to feed you. It wants to give you a warm blanket of sunshine and let you grow. And I want to be part of it. That sunshine wants to be a part of it, wants to be part of that growing grass, that relationship, that symbiotic relationship, you know? But, but I am to the point where where I am having to, this podcast is about intuition and I'm having to, to be accountable to myself and make this podcast and make it out to the public so other people can see and it's going to push me towards making better decisions for myself and being accountable and being responsible and, and being vulnerable and, and it's hard to be vulnerable. It's hard to have Devin be mean to me and and me still be nice and it's hard to be mean to Devin too it's fucking hard for me to be mad at him and treat him as such because that is not the true me that is not the true me the sun behind the sun behind my body that is not the true me that is not sunshine and and me giving my sunshine through this body, unfortunately, this body needs to, not unfortunately, you know, but it is what it is. This body needs to eat, and if I am not being reciprocated, then I cannot allow this body to stay here. Because, like I said, I I see what happens. I've been to the graveyard. I've been to the graveyard of the woman who does not 
get to let her soul shine. And it is not a pretty place. It's hard. It's hard then. It's hard years from now. It gets worse years from now, from what I've seen, because once that woman dies, once that son, once you allow that body to, if you allow your biological body to die because you didn't take care of it, then that sunshine behind you cannot shine through you anymore. And then you're just living this like life of death is how I see it. And and you're just like crippling away and you're living in a place where you don't even love your man. You don't even care if he gets home. You fucking want him gone. You almost want him. You fucking want him dead. Sometimes. Sometimes you do. And that's fucking lame. That's not you. That's not the real loving you. You want to love. That is not love. And if I stay stagnant, that is the future of the woman who is not allowed to love fully. That is the future of the woman who tries to connect with her man and is not able to. And to connect, you need two. To connect, you need at least two. You need the giver and the receiver. And I am ready to receive from everything I see on social media, I see that it is the time that women are remembering who we are and and I feel that is so true within me too. I am a wild woman and I, I am beautiful and I am strong and I am fierce, but above all I am so loving and I want to receive. I need to receive now, in fact. Me at 27, with the head that I have and the way that I view things right now, I need to receive more because I want to give more, because I love giving, because that is my natural way. I want to give you all of me. I want to give you my fullest expression of love. I want to dance. I want to fuck. I want to make love. I want to create art. I want to make beautiful, healthy children. I want to party. I want to play games. Sometimes I want to be lazy. Sometimes I want to go alone and restore. But I want to do it all with love. And if and if I can set myself up right now at 27 and I have seen how other women set themselves up and if I can do this right now and set myself up so that everything that I emit is love, even the even the parts where I have to be hard, if I can, if I can educate and if I can teach still the lessons I need to teach to my children, to my lovers, to my friends, to strangers with love, even the hard times, then, then I fucking made it. Then I fucking made it for myself and pff, then I'm good. I'll take whatever is unexpected from life after that anything because it's all going to be good as long as I can always lead with my heart so how I want to how I want to start winding down is I want to read a little bit 
or I want to bring to light, bring forth a little bit and read a little bit of uh, this book by, by Osho. I remembered his name. It's like Ocho, but with a sh. So I'm reading this book by him and this book is just resonating with me in so many levels because it is talking about Tantra. And Tantra is pretty much, it's just, uh, it's kind of, I feel like it's a misconception. Like people don't really, I feel like people do not really understand it, but Tantra is like, uh, it's the practice of, it's the actual doing. It's like the exercise. Like uh, there's meditation where you meditate or there's like mental stuff or there's like, you're like you can theorize like I can theorize a lot about like oh my my relationship is this way because and it could be this way because and if I did this maybe then but tantra is more like do you just do it's the doing it's the do it's the actual like maybe if I'm more loving then be more loving the maybe if I leave, then leave. The maybe if I listen to my heart, then listen to your heart and do the things it tells you. But no theorizing. So so Tantra is a lot of being present, you know, and we talk a lot about being present and it's not about it's you know, the moment that here and it's what everybody or it's what a lot is talked about. And it really is the sweet spot. It really is the sweet spot. If I'm here now, it is the sweet spot. It's where all the life is happening. And when I'm in love, that is what's most important. That sweet spot, the now. Because when I'm so happy and in love and in my in my truest loving self, then it is the now that I'm living in. It is the now that I am expressing. It is the now that I'm dancing. It is the now that I'm hugging. It is the now that I'm talking you up, that I'm building you, that we are building. It is the now. So so this book is a lot of the now or the doing. And something that it emphasizes a lot in the beginning is, is this love by these sacred scriptures. And they are of Devi and, and Shiva, Hindu gods, in case you do not know. And, and I want to, I want to read a small part of this book in page five of this long, long book. There is this part and it reads, so this is rare. Devi is sitting in the lap of Shiva and asking, and Shiva answers, it is a love dialogue, no conflict, as if Shiva is speaking to himself. Why this emphasis on love? Love language? Because if you are in love with your master, then the whole gestalt changes. It becomes different. Then you are not hearing his words. Then you are drinking him. Then words are irrelevant. Really, the silence between the words becomes more significant. What he is saying may be meaningful, or it may not be meaningful, but it is his eyes his gestures, and his compassion, his love. What I want to say with that is that I, I'm, I am a romantic 
and I'm looking for something. This that I'm looking for a divinity that I already found. And and I know that I speak weird because I'm saying I already found it, but I am just conjuring and I'm I am harboring the words that I need to say in order to get to the place that I want to get to. And my heart, which I use as a compass to live my life, because I don't want to be too airy. I don't want to be too in my head because then I'm never going to take action. And I don't want to be too on the ground because then I'm going to be just surviving and not running on efficiency, not thriving. But if I go right in the sweet spot in my heart and I lead with my heart and I make sure to ask my heart if this is the right choice and I stay quiet enough to listen and I truly hear, then then everything else falls everything else the the wheel of life keeps spinning smoothly it does not mean that i'm searching for a world with no problems or no issues or no barriers that and obstacles that i have to like hurdle over it just means that i want to lead with love in every way that i can and that excerpt that i just read i feel like showcases exactly what's hitting with me and maybe a lot of women hopefully which is that I love you so deeply and so much. And, and when I'm saying this, I really am saying it to myself because I see we are all, we are all coming from the same place. And, and I think we all really want the same thing, which is to be seen and to be loved. But I cannot love you much less see you if the damage that is being done here on this world is hurting my body too much at all if there is harm and we do not fix it we do not try to heal it then I am just shooting myself in the foot and letting myself bleed out slow. Right now I'm at a point where I am, I don't care if I embarrass myself. I don't care if it looks odd, if it looks unconventional, and I don't care if it looks wrong anymore. I want to live my life with my heart as a compass. And I want to be the most loving version that I can be. And for me, Brianna, I have this sun, this so naturally inspiring sun of love shine for my partner, Devin. And, and still, I am to the point where I have to... take care of that sun and I cannot let that sun shine if my body dies and right now I have not figured it out quite yet how to make it work with my partner in a way where we are communicating and understanding each other and coming from a place of love but I sign off with hope and faith that whatever it is that we end up looking like, whether we stay romantic and true to each other, 
or we just stay in relationship as parents with each other. I am faithful that that I am now the person that is going to take care of this holy sacred sun that is shining through me and I'm going to act in a way that that reflects the words that I'm saying. I know we're going to make it out. However we do. And the best part is that I'm I'm going to love you through it all. Because I'm taking care of that sunshine. So it doesn't even matter, Devin. It doesn't even matter. It doesn't even matter what we end up like. It doesn't even matter if you hate me. And if I have to put up a barrier with with our bodies so that we are not close to each other because we can only bring pain to each other in this in this world because I know that even if I am separate from you and you hate me, I'm thinking of the worst case scenario. I will love you from afar. And and I and the sun that is behind me is so strong. I know that the warm rays are going to touch you. And whether I can see the grass grow or not, I'm going to send you that sun. Because ultimately, I want you to find too, Devin, this this, uh, this, this, uh, water fountain, this, uh, this fountain, this fountain. I want you to find this fountain too, because it's beautiful. I want, I would like, I think it would be nice. Nobody has to, but I think it would be a nice feeling that everybody wants to shine like the sun. And then, if we all shined like the sun, imagine what our world would look like. We, We would light up the whole sky. The sky wouldn't even be big enough to light up if everybody started shining like the sun. Okay, so so I think that's how I want to wrap up this. No, in fact, I, I know that this is how I want to wrap up um, this uh, chapter of digging into mine and Devin's relationship, where I'm at right now. I'm just being transparent again because this is going to help me be accountable for myself and and it's going to help me be understood by the people that want to understand me and it's going to help me uh, reach out and find like-minded people and and thank you I honor you and I thank you for listening in have a beautiful and blessed rest of your day